on that. Oh, thing. forget it. The award was 50 over 50 power. Oh, that's an award you don't want anybody to know you have. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what award was it? <laughs> 50 over 50 powerhouse women in mortgage All right, industry. good. We have this as a little clip here now. <laughs> <laughs> Zach was thinking the same thing. Yes, yep. <laughs> Zach was like, let me make a that's, note. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be our intro preview right now. <laughs> All right, welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell, always here with our amazing co-host, Mr. John Jones. What's up, Brian? And John, we have probably one of my most favorite people absolutely, in the whole world with us today. <laughs> Amen. Laura Lynn Paul. Laura Lynn. You uh, don't have a choice. Yeah, we have the choice. <laughs> We have the pleasure. She makes us do this. Oh, getting yeah, well, she does. Of getting to work with her, and um, so she is the the senior vice president of sales for Van Dyke Mortgage. Um, to kind of put that in a perspective, what she's do we got, big, John? She's the big cheese. Yeah, about two hundred and twenty-five <laughs> loan officers in twenty twenty uh, closed a little over ten thousand units uh, for just over two and a half billion dollars. Um, you know, it's interesting, Laurel, and I was thinking. When uh, you originally came to Van Dyke Mortgage, you had your own brokerage, uh, Tri-County Mortgage. And um, we grew that branch location in volume to the size that Van Dyke Mortgage was when we joined it in 2010. Right. So an amazing, uh, that's an amazing feat, right? And uh, there's probably a lot of questions we can talk about how it went from like 20, 25 units a month to a lot, a lot, a lot. And we oh, had a lot of fun by New Year's Eve. Yeah, I remember that. I, re I remember that <laughs> we did. Uh, I remember I was driving home from work one day and we were trying to think of this um, like slogan. We were trying to really get business ramped up. And so we came up with the slogan 83 by New Year's Eve because it kind of rhymed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> And she had, she had her husband actually make the shirts with iron-ons. And we passed him out at a sales it's meeting. like the old marketing days. Yeah, yeah it, it was awesome. When you, when it, you did everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah well that, that, that's legit in the early days. We were everything. Yeah, yeah. and we made th bracelets, 300, oh, yeah. yeah, the road to 300. Yeah, those were the good old days. But those things made a difference. I mean, yeah. everybody knew the goal, and we were all excited to make it there. Yeah, I don't think we made it, but we did the next year. <laughs> yeah, we didn't hit 83 by New Year's Eve. I think we got pretty dang close. We it, did. Ended, it ended up we being did. like 79 or something like that. But yeah. And then the, I think the next ones we made, we made those shirts that said, like, keep calm and bring 200 loans on or something yeah. like that. Yeah. We had had this goal for a long time to get to 200 units a month. Yeah. And uh, Which, like you said, is what? close to what Van Dyke was doing when we came. Yeah. So it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. Lots of uh, system changes and recalibrating. A lot of recalibrating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Laurelyn, you've been in the business for a couple of years. <laughs> well, we just figured out, thanks to John Jones' math <laughs> skills, that it's been 35. 35. Almost. Well, you December. well, in fairness, you started at four. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I was four years yeah. old. But uh, even, even uh, before you were in a leadership role like you are now, you were a powerhouse originator. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what those early days were like and maybe a little bit of how you built your business. So believe it or not, uh, zero credit reporting agencies. <laughs> so every file you had to literally build the credit for the borrower. 
I know that sounds crazy, right? A lot yes. of FHA. But you imagine. owe tons of FHA. And for FHA, you you put it all in a case binder, and you mailed it to the F- FHA Hawk Center, and you maybe would hear an answer in about 60 days. And then it would have conditions, and then you'd mail more. But now, it Were literally... you able to do TBDs? Or do you... Oh, no. no. Oh, wow. No. God, no. No, you just... No. No. <clears throat> Ratios were tight. I mean, you you you're locked down. Yeah, at, you know. And the, the ratios, rate, the ratios. VA would set the rate for the day, and let's say that you quoted the borrower that rate, and then 60 days later you closed. If the rate, say the rate of the day was nine and two points, 60 days later it could have been nine and four points, and okay. you had to close that. So, it was nuts. It was nuts, but it was fun. And I mean. Jen Kersey was my processor, who's still who's our processing manager now, and we were closing 20, 25 units a month. You know, not when it was that bad. I mean, we had now credit reporting agencies and right. things like that. I, I was going to say because like we we that see brings low- you up towards like the mid '90s, late '90s. Yeah, when, I think when Jen probably came on board. '93, '94. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the, the reason I think that's crazy is we have loan originators. We see them all across the country, not just with us, but with other companies too. That like they struggle just to close six loans a month, right? And it's not about the struggle to get the six loans. Like they physically struggle with how do I get my pipeline closed at six loans a month? Like why do you think you were able to do that kind of volume with really back then you didn't really have much leverage? No. I mean, let's be honest. At first I was single with a three-week-old baby and a two-year-old son, and it was just, I didn't have a choice. I mean, at first, if I'm being honest. But I just was really organized as far as my time. I mean, I everybody knew I worked late on Wednesday nights. I, I mean, late being 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I mean, I worked all weekend, and but I, I know this is a touchy subject, but I mean, I took an awesome application. Every borrower interview was an interview. I mean, it was at least an hour-long application, and I took a great application and prepared them up front, and then when I handed it off to Jen, then it was just a matter of documenting it all, but it was um, very much organization and hard work. I mean, I worked for Century 21 office. John and I worked together there, too, and there were over a 1,000 agents, and I was only in one office, but managing them all, and Sean Moore was there, and he was kind of, we were neck and neck and per, yeah. constantly railing back and forth. Pushing each other. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was fun. I mean, I always enjoyed it. And I got married, remarried, and set the right expectations for him because, you know, your spouse has to support you. Yeah. Or you're not going to do, you're not going to do well. Yeah. And it's, it's a full-time plus job. If you want to make six figures or more, you got to. You got to awesome. hustle. Yeah. 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 Pick up your phone at night, you yeah. know, be available on weekends. I mean, especially if you're going to be situated in a real estate office, yeah. you have no choice. No. And I love real estate agents. I mean, I do. I Some of my very best friends, but I have some horror stories. I mean, I have one where I was physically getting sick with the flu and the agent told my husband to put the phone up to my ear. She had a question and he's like, I'm not. I remember and some <laughs> of those agents, by the way. Yeah. Wow, wow that's absolutely crazy. So I'm gonna, I want to take you back to two things, two points you just made, because I think they're worth digging a little deeper into. Okay. The, the first one was you said that you had a late night. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, why did you do it that way? What was the advantages of it? Well, I did it. I really did it for two reasons. One, 
most of the consumers are working. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always would do those folks that couldn't get in during the day, I would purposely schedule them for that night. But I always had an hour and a half to two hours just to regroup in the office because it took that. I mean, it took the time to plan. I wasn't great at planning my weeks like on a Sunday, but that Wednesday night was like just time for me to really think about where am I, where do I want to go? So like on that Wednesday night, somebody was taking care of the kids, making sure they got fed. Everybody kind of knew, hey, the runway's clear. I'm going to work Wednesday night until it's all done. So that was like your catch-up day. Yep. And then like what did a normal week look like? I mean, obviously you said at the time you were a single mom, so I'm assuming maybe your day started a little bit later. No. No? Okay. No. Um, Because we were in a real estate office, you know, there were Monday morning meetings, Tuesday morning caravan, and I was them. I mean, I made myself part of their world. So everything they, I went on caravan with them. Yep. Everything they did, I did. And so, you know, I had an amazing mom who helped me. And um, I mean, I worked every day till 6, 6.30. And I would get in, I mean, I'd say probably 8.30 or 9. And, you know, my lunches were with realtors. I just mm-hmm. always spent yeah, my you, time with them. You brought up a great point that you you, you love realtors. Mm-hmm. Um, so you became friends, and still to this day, 35 yeah. years later, some mm-hmm. of your closest friends and dearest friends absolutely were realtors that supported you. So it wasn't like you were just a business relationship. You took it to the next level. You were personal. No. Right? Yeah. So, and I, mean, I know that's what got me the business because uh, – yeah. They knew I cared about their success as much as they did and vice versa. I mean, it was it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I do miss originating. I really do. And they, they knew to trust you, you'd close the deal on yeah. time. I mean, you had yeah. a great reputation. You're not going to miss a closing date. You know, and that, that's always been a, a yeah. super strong thing where not everybody has that same motivation. Some, some lenders just, you know, they'll casually let it go and slide an extra day I or a laugh. week and yeah I laugh when I hear people say oh you know you just need to get more deals in the kitty because then if you lose one it's no big deal but you if never you lost lose one. one you lost the real lost your and maybe half the office yeah, yeah I couldn't do it you just couldn't do it right so yeah. reputations everything that's yeah. a good point so the second thing I want to dig a little deeper on is you said one of the secrets to your success and being able to manage a pipeline that was that full or that deep was taking a good 1003 Right. And so, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different models that you see today in our business. We've got some loan officers who have like, I'll just call it an order taker, somebody who takes the application and they kind of review it later. Um, You've got some who are, hey, I'm not even going to issue a pre-approval letter until I see docs. You got a lot of different models. But what kind of walk us through what was a little bit of yours and why did you think that that was so important to do up front? especially when you had so many days to be able to get a loan closed. I just feel like, I just felt, you know, you take a test, you do a class, you become this mortgage broker professional, and that's what I really wanted to be. You know, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college and and do that. So for me, it was more about finding the best vehicle for that borrower and their family. And you can't do that through a computer or through, you know, I'm going to send you to my website to apply online. Yeah, yeah. You really, while we have you don't that know option. The sto- you don't know the story. We have that option, and that's great. And I understand convenience way more than before. But I just really wanted to get to know that person. They were just trusting me mm-hmm. to make probably the biggest purchase they'll ever make. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to feel comfortable with me. But I also, 
wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing for them and that I wasn't putting that, their home or family in jeopardy. It was really hard for me when the market turned and we had to get more creative and there were crazy products out there because my conscience had a hard time with it. I mean, honestly, it was mm-hmm. it was tough. That yeah. was a lot harder, I thought. Yeah, that was the shifting gears probably around early 2000 when we were doing, I think we were probably second or third in Pinellas County for FHA closed loans, just you, Sean, and I Yeah. that one year. Yeah. And then borrowers and realtors started approaching us and saying, hey, we don't want to put three, like 3% suddenly became an issue to put down. Buying yeah. an average house, by the way, back then was about 135000 <laughs> Right. Right. And, and to come up with 3%, whether it was a gift. People didn't even want to do that. Nehemiah. They wanted to do right. <laughs> <laughs> Neo, right, we, right. We had a <laughs> wow. Then they shifted gears and everybody got focused on the eighty twenties, right? And that was where, I guess, we'll say the beginning of the end for that. The beginning of that, the end. That early run yeah. through the two thousands, where it became the wild west. John came to me and said, "Hey, you know, this person's offering interest only," and I was like, "Well, we're not, and we're never going to." And then <laughs> I realized very quickly, "Well, yes, we are going to if that, we're going to stay in business." That took us a few months, yeah. right after after realtors were then taking their customer out of our office, essentially, like if you can't do it, we'll drive them down the street to so and so who will offer the product. So eventually, you have to get with the time, so yeah. to speak, and kind of sell to. what the consumer thinks that they want. At the same time, still trying to convince them that FHA is really the best, yeah. you know, the best solution for them. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, you know, you're talking about the 1003 too. I'll just go back there one more time. Being the foundation of what's going on, right? And yeah. so <clears throat> one of the things I see happen a lot today everywhere is it's like when you were in grade school, did you ever play like the whisper game? Like, you know, John Telephone tells me game. a secret and then I take, yeah. yeah, and then I come to you and we go to Zach and then we go to Kyle. Um, and by the time it gets to Kyle, it's like what John just told me is not, not even, not right. even close. Right. And, and in our business, it's, it's the same way, right? It, it goes, depending on the model you're in, it goes like from loan officer to maybe like some sort of transaction coordinator to, to a loan processor, to an underwriter. And if you didn't have the foundation right, you'll never get this, this the right story to the underwriter. Right, and, and joining Van Dyke showed me it's even farther than that, you know, because now you have loans in pools and you may have an end investor that picks that loan to audit and look at. And so that application is the stone. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the stone that everything is set upon. And, you know, it's it's difficult I think for the average person to complete it accurately, you know, it's, we have a new one. So it's even more difficult now. So it's not just a question. It's, you know, how long have you been on your job? Well, a borrower might say two years, but what was the start date? Because it may be 11, you know, one year, 11 months, Mm -hmm. or, you know, where is your cash? I see so many applications come in that say checking $25,000. Well, it's really coming from multiple gifts. That, was, that, that might have been my 1003 back I've then. I've never That's, done that. No. <laughs> so, and then you find out, oh, it's a gift, which causes more documentation. So, And could you change your findings? Right. Yeah. Right. So if you just spend a little bit more time up front and you dig, I, I, again, I'm all for online applications, but you cannot not do the interview. Yeah. At some point, you've still got to get on the phone after an online application and, and do go the back dig through deep it. Yeah, and, and do the dig to. deep. Yep. So, Laura Lynn, um, you, you know, you shared that in, early in your career, your business was coming from real estate agents. You were in a real estate office. Um, but I'm sure that there's still like some old school tips and tricks 
that maybe you could share with us on how you grew your business even back then. Like oh. I, I remember things like you telling stories about like, you know, dog biscuits or something yeah. like I mean <laughs> well John will tell you I dressed like Priscilla and he dressed like Elvis and we went and That's handed true. out <laughs> hunk of hunk of presentation love and I mean at a, a KW office <laughs> Justin Kelly dressed up like a, a magician the mortgage magician but it sounds gimmicky but when when you can make light of a really hectic hectic business that being real estate agents and mortgage people it really meant a lot. So like we would do little things like wrap up dog bones and say, throw me a bone sometimes. Because just because I was in a real estate office, they didn't have to use us. Mm -hmm. So I still had, we still had still to, to compete promote and, fight and compete. To get the business. Yeah. So we did a lot of that. And I did a lot of hosting. I mean, I would, but they knew my kid's birthday. I mean, we just, we were close. And like I said earlier, I knew what they were doing all the time and what they needed. I could have easily worked in real estate. Mm -hmm. But I did that on purpose because they were my customer ultimately and I wanted to know, you know, how can I help them? So, I mean, one of my best customers wasn't in Century 21 and it was uh, Nikki Ubaldini was in Remax mm -hmm. and she, at the time and, you know, she gave us loans because we, she jokes and says I was the FHA queen but I made it a point to know how to do that product and get it and I sold the listing side of the table all the time. Mm -hmm. Because if I did a good job, why wouldn't they send me business, you know? Yeah, no, so. you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things you talked about is getting in the friend zone. I mean, essentially going above and beyond with the agents. Again, not just a transaction, hey, I'm gonna do your deals, but when you become friends, it's a whole different level of business. They hey, know and yeah. trust you, and I mean, it's personal. And, and if you have those hiccups, because we're gonna have hiccups, you're gonna have right? Hiccups they're more forgiving and, and willing to, you know, let it slide. Yeah. Knowing and that being you're working honest, hard. Quick to give bad yes. news. You know, if it's bad news, it's bad news. Let's Pull just get it out, quickly. get it in front. And I mean, I honestly can say, geez, like I lost my mom and dad through all of that. You know, I went through a divorce and all of those people were there mm. for me. It, it just that's just why I loved it. And I think it was a, I know it was a great way to build a business. I remember what I was going to ask you. I, I remember you telling a story uh, to a group of Virginians one time we were talking about, you know, getting to know your agents, John, to your point, the friend zone. And, and you mentioned like this card catalog or like Rolodex. Can you tell us? Cause I, I think that was that, was that a hundred years? I know it's 20 right, years later. Let's just get it. I know it's there. 20 years later, but a <laughs> hundred days to greatness today, maybe you could leverage this idea in a different way through technology. You can use it in technology, yes, but there every agent has their their own set of wants and needs. And I learned early on you can't just assume what they want. So in order for my team, which was Jen and I, to really give the best service, I had an index card on everybody. And you know, Mary Kay may have wanted to know every single solitary thing that went on all the way through. But Angie Morris may have said, call me if there's a problem. Right. And then I would also say things on the index card like, you know, Angie's, or Angie's going to be going to Greece next month. Or So we were communicating important things because it is hard to remember everything about everybody. Mm -hmm. And that index card just kind of 
just kind of laid it out there, you know, and also like more specifics, like don't give this person a pre-approval letter unless you've done X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So you still can do that. You still should do that. Your database should be rich and deep. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be narrow and wide. (laughs) Yeah. It shouldn't shouldn't just be a name and a number is what what you're getting at. Is there should be. So like what did you have a system for getting into that? Did you have a system for staying in contact? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I had one office, and my office had about 200 agents. So I had the roster, and I, I called five a day every day because they didn't all come into the office. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, to get the information, we were really blessed because if someone new came, I would one of us would sit down with them, and we'd just talk to them. You know, not it's not a sale. Get it to know them. You know, what do you – you know, what do you like? What don't you like? You know, what are your hobbies? How long have you been in the business? Things like that. So it's just it's just taking the time. I know and I could just see Sean you, Miller right now just cringing because you don't have time. You don't have time. So you think. But taking the time to get to know people really pays off tenfold right. in the end, mm-hmm. you know, as you go. So yeah, we we did a lot. We reached out to them. We were also a very involved office. So when there was a Monday morning meeting, lots of people were there. Yeah, and and that was the day when everybody would come to a meeting in person, and and they were active agents. I mean, it, the industry's definitely changed and evolved. For sure. Um, I, I like to talk about back then. You know, you, your top agent was a mega producer. I mean, they would funnel you a lead or two every week. Yeah. Where today, I think it's changed. It's kind of spread out you know mm-hmm. and watered down a little bit and a lot of the mega agents focus on the listing side but back in the day i mean you, you know you probably walked in with linda mary angie giving you two or three prequels every monday morning get yeah. started on these guys oh you i know. also on the weekends would pack up my car with a cooler open and house fruit and, and water and i would go visit them i mean they were sitting in these open houses by yeah. themselves Yep. Sometimes no TV, anything, and I just go visit yeah, them. And that, yep. that was how I built my business I, as a know. rookie, and I, I was that was one of the questions I want to ask you. We'll get to, but like as a rookie for me, I knew kind of right away like if I'm going to get business, it's going to get referred to me by real estate agents. So where do I meet them at? And the easiest thing for me to think of is they were either doing broker opens, which in my market was every Tuesday, and then open houses on Saturday and Sunday. And as a rookie, I went and did open houses every single Saturday and every single Sunday. And what I was looking was just to add people to my database so that on Monday I could call and say, hey, Laurelyn, it was great meeting you at your open house on Sunday. How'd the rest of your day go? I'm just starting a conversation that eventually is going to lead to, hey, so what are the chances we get together for a cup of coffee sometime? Mm -hmm. Right. But now instead of just hitting a database of people I've never met, they were people who I'd met and, you know, put palm to palm conversation with shook hands with. It's funny because we say and, the business and, the, and those is things haven't changed, by no, the way. I was so just gonna say. I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a quick example: is we have a rookie LO that started October one with us down in Fort Myers, Sean Carter, mm-hmm. brand new to Florida, by the way. So he doesn't have any sphere of influence here from Michigan. So first thing, first tip was to start hitting open houses. He hits about five or six every weekend. Right, brings the water, stays for ten or fifteen minutes, exchanges a business card, follows up. In March, he closed uh, 10 units for $2 million in volume. Six Which months in the business. people have been in the business for years. Don't, don't do, do that. Don't do $2 million. Yeah. Don't hustle like that. 
Yeah, but that's so. what I was going to say. People keep wanting to say how different it is. And it's really, it's about people. You know, right. from everything from the hiring of the people on our team to the relationships that we have with our referral partners to our relationships with our borrowers, it's still about people. And yep. I mean, there were, you look at the different coaching styles too today, like, for me, it was Brian Buffini and Tom Ferry. Those were the two big real estate coaches, and they had two completely different approaches. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Tom Ferry was pick up the phone book and just start dialing for dollars, which was not my speed. Mm-hmm. And Brian Buffini was all about relationship, which sphere. totally fit for me. So sure. there's a there's a lane for everyone, but it's the same. It's not different than mm-hmm. that much different than it was. It really no. isn't. No, you're absolutely right. So. You kind of segueing into, you know, I, I think our our business needs an influx of younger, newer talent, right? And we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like the average age of a originator in our country today is somewhere in the mid fifties, uh, about John's age, and um, <laughs> cut that part out, please. <laughs> they're in their mid fifties, and uh, so I mean, let's be honest. You know, by the way. That means you've been grinding in this business for a long time. Because this business, if you want to be successful... Hotel California. ...is a grind. (laughs) Yes. And uh, we don't have to go there this time. (laughs) But um, there's, I think there's an opportunity for a lot of new, young talent looking for a new career or possibly a career change. What advice would you give to somebody who decides, hey, I want to be a mortgage loan originator... And where do I start? I mean, you're, you're meaning like you're already done licensing and everything like that, but boom. Now, where do I get a loan? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm really pro getting those folks because I think kids, I call them kids today, you know, coming out of college with a degree today is, it's expected. It's like high, it's, it's like it's like high, high school. school when we were growing yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, gone are the days where I have my college degree, I should make a million dollars, you know, hire me, hire me. So that's one thing. The it's second still out there. Thing is, yeah, it's still. <laughs> but the second thing is that, you know, I would strongly encourage someone brand new to get on a team because every loan is different, every borrower situation is different, and the more experience you can get, the more training you can get, the better off you're going to be in the long run. So my first suggestion would to be on it would to get on a team. Um, And everybody has a sphere of influence, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, we all have family, friends, coworkers from a previous job, college, you know, fraternity, sorority brothers and sisters. There's, everybody has a sphere. And the first thing you do is you get that sphere on paper and you let everybody know what you're doing because you would be surprised. I mean, I have loan officers all the time who are so upset because they're, neighbor just bought a house and didn't use them well shame on you mm-hmm. i mean i can tell you stories my husband is an engineer and is horribly shy and you you can't be shy if you're in the mortgage business and if i'd be at dinner and hear somebody say mortgage or house i would get up and walk over to their <laughs> table hi i heard you say that and he would just duck and say oh my god i can't believe she's doing this but you have to let everybody know all the time what you do and it sounds ridiculous but there were days that agents used to wear a gold jacket 
and yes. that stupid rhinestone sold sign. <laughs> so just so someone at the grocery store would say, oh, are you a real estate agent? You know, yep. so yep. you ha- in the mortgage business, you don't really have that. You're not going to wear a big, you know, calculator yeah. on your head. So you have to tell everybody mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. Because all they the will time. they will forget. They will. The second you leave, they'll forget and, yeah. and go somewhere else and say, oh, I, oh, by the way, I didn't know you did refinances. Yeah. That's another pet peeve that oh. I thought you just did purchases. Yeah. <laughs> That happened a lot when we were inside. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the last thing I'll ask of you, I know we focused a lot on what your origination career looked like, and today you play a much bigger role. But um, is there anything, going back to those origination years, is there anything that you would change about what you did in your business? Like, in other words, a lesson learned. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have... I had an amazing mentor. He was an incredible person and a human being, and everybody loved him, but it really wasn't leadership, if you know what I mean. Like, there was no goal setting and career planning or career visioning. Or So if I were to go back, I would have definitely gotten in with a coach and hit a little, being a little bit more purposeful about my business. I mean, by the grace of God, I... I did amazing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I I wouldn't have changed all the steps that I took as far as like going from broker to owning my own to banker. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have changed any of that, but I would have been more purposeful and, and had a better plan because the business is so cyclical mm-hmm. and it, as you said earlier, ebbs and flows. You have to be prepared for that. And I'll be honest, I wasn't at in 2000 nine and 2000 yeah. it, you know nobody expected it to go yeah, it's from not all a bit of roses there feast to famine and you know so that would have been different for me yeah. i would have definitely done more planning been more purposeful sought out mentors and i'll be honest with you in the mortgage business still to this day there's not a lot you know what i mean like there are coaching companies and there's coaches but there's not a lot of places to go mm-hmm. to really get fed the knowledge like realtors have many resources and we don't right yeah john you and i have talked about that here before like one of the things our business doesn't do great is we don't build teams well as well as real estate agents and and we're not in as intentional as well right and and follow that coaching or education well run it like a business i mean you started off earlier we can talk a little bit about justin kelly was one of your first hires yeah right when you started moving forward and look at the success and and how you both have helped lead him and and get him to the level he's at now you know so You've got a kid. Yeah, Justin that, was mowing lawns. The kid, the kid walk. You know, the kid come. Essentially, I call him a kid. He yeah. was a kid. Yeah. He came walking in. He's hot. It's about ninety-five. Yeah. Right, midsummer. He's he's like, can I get a water? And by the way, do you like what you do? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and from there, he you talked know, about that on yeah. on this show. Yeah. I mean, which yeah. is just incredible. A young kid that was still in college, putting him hustling, putting himself through school, and started. You know, you took him in, and uh, he spent you know six months or a year with you before you know, going on his own. I would say the one thing I'm most grateful that I did was start at the bottom. I mean, I started as a, I started as a receptionist, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I went and junior processed and then I processed. And that is information that I would never have had if I hadn't started at the bottom. And same with Justin, I would say he would probably agree, like just boots on the ground, floor level, and just work your way up, and it it's, makes a huge difference. And hard work. Like, Hustle. I think if anything's so yep. frustrating to me today, it's people who I see more potential in than they see in themselves, but also they're not willing to really work hard. Mm-hmm. Like, 
there's no such thing as nine to five I was just gonna in say the that. mortgage yeah. business. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. So, Cool. John, anything else? No, I think we touched on it. All right, cool. Well, listen, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. Thank you, Laura Lynn, for spending a little bit thanks. of time with us. On behalf of John Jones, we want you to know if there's anything that we can do to help you with your business in any way. We're always going to serve you.